invite if you would take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And it's on page 684. 685 is actually where we'll be today, but it's right there. Um, this is your first Sunday with us. We are walking through the Sermon on the Mount. And we're in kind of a little subsection um, in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus encourages us, challenges us, I think ultimately frees us to not do our works to be seen by other people, but to do things in secret, trusting that God sees us and will reward us. So we talked about giving in secret. Um, We talked about praying in secret. And today we're talking about fasting in secret. And here's the the thing I want to admit to you. Um, I'm glad that we're going through the Sermon on the Mount verse by verse because I would not be drawn to this passage naturally. Um, Sometimes when you just kind of go straight through it, you can't dodge stuff like fasting. So here we go. Buckle up. No, it's been a tough preparation week as I've gotten ready for this to lean in. But I think the Lord's going to teach us something. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. It says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On an ideal night in the Splon house, which doesn't happen as often as I would like, we usually try to read books before we go to bed. So I have 13-year-old, 10-year-old, and then Sweet May, who just turned four. And um, on a good night, we read a book with May before she goes to bed. Now, I say that because lots of nights we're coming in on two wheels from some ballpark in the greater Birmingham area, having eaten something out of a sack. There's not a lot of time, really, for stories. Just kind of bathe and go to bed. But on a good night, we read books, and um, one of my favorite series involves a bear. There's this book called Bear Gets Sick, and all the friends come over and help him get better, make him soup and that kind of stuff. And there's one called Bear Wants More. It's one of my favorites because I really identify with this book, Bear Wants More. Bear has just woken up from his what? Hibernation. Bears have to sleep for a long time, and when bears wake up from hibernation, they are what? Hungry. So Bear wakes up hungry, and Bear goes out around the land devouring more food. And so Rabbit will take him somewhere to get food, and then somebody else takes him somewhere to get food. And at every point, this refrain is, but Bear still wants more. And I'm like, man, Bear and I be good friends. Because there is within me, too, this kind of insatiable desire always for more. No matter what I have, no matter what I enjoy, there is a propensity in me to just think, well, I have this and that's good, but I still still want more. And you and I live in a world that is just really primed to provide all the more that we want. Sometimes it's even primed to like help us want things we didn't know we wanted. Right? Stay away from Instagram, I'm telling you. 
Sovereign facts bad for your soul. You'll like buy tennis shoes and stuff you don't need. Right? You're like, oh, maybe, maybe I do want those shoes. I didn't think about that. And you can get it so easily and so readily. Back in the day, I may have told you this story, but I've always loved music, always. And I used to love to buy CDs. And to get a CD, it was, a, it was an event. Like, I lived in a rural area. My parents had to take me to the what? Mall. To the CD store. And then I would go in those racks and I would just kind of flip through, you know. And I had to buy just one. Just one CD. And I would take that one CD back home and I would put it in the CD player. I would open up the book. Some of you younger folks, you don't know this, but they would give you a book with your CD all the lyrics and who played on what songs, I would just devour that thing. And I couldn't get another one until when? Till when my grandmother paid me a crazy amount of money to like do something in her yard. I'll never get paid as well as I did by my grandmother. But I would work for her, get more money, and then I had to wait until I could get back to the store. And it was just really this glorious day when anti-skip technology was involved, invented. Like, I could walk around my CD player like this, and it wouldn't skip. If you're really young, just Google that. It's wonderful when it came up. But now, if I want to listen to music, what do I do? You just, like, go on my phone and download it. Anything. Anything ever recorded, basically. Unless you're some weird artist, and you're like, nope, not on that. And even that makes you want it more. Right? But you could just get everything. Do you think I buy more books now or I used to buy more books before I could get them in two days? Now. Like, you don't have to wait for the copy to come out. You don't have to wait till somebody brings it back at the library. Just, like, order that thing and it's at your door. Boom, you got a book. Blockbuster. May it rest in peace, right? Blockbuster, you like go there and you're like, I hope they have the copy so I can get it. But now, no, you just like download it. You can watch a whole series in one thing, like one day, right? And you and I were just used to consuming and having stuff all the time. And really, you all, I'm pretty sure, like I'm not a trained sociologist, psychologist, but I'm pretty sure humans don't really work well and function well in environments where we have access to everything all the time. That we're limited and finite, but we live in this world that promises us infinite opportunities to do things. If we're not careful, we end up like Bear. At the end of the book, Bear eats too much, can't get back in his front door. Right? That's us. Like we, we, If we're not careful and we consume and consume and consume, it's not ultimately good for our hearts and our souls. It's also not good for us to be endlessly wanting affirmation from people. It's not. And there is this part of us where we always want to hear that we're good enough and that we measure up. And I really don't care how old you are, and I really don't care if you use social media or not. There's that part of you that wants that. Like after I preach a sermon, what would I love to hear? That was a great sermon, which is fine until the next week, and then you can want it again, can't you? And then again, 
And you become this real pitiful, sad person that's always like, how is the sermon today? Right? And your heart is not meant to continually need that affirmation or, or to always consume stuff. And both of those things, I think, find themselves in this passage in Matthew chapter 6. This whole teaching of fasting. Now, I have to warn you that Baptists are not traditionally great at fasting, okay? We're more known for picnics. Um, we're more known for bringing you food when you're sick. And the irony is not lost on me that Joel encouraged you to do what? Buy cookies and meals delivered to your house. And there's a reason why we sell food to make money, because Baptists love food. Like, it's just part of who we are. There's not a lot of fasting that usually happens. And, and to be honest, I come to you today, like with this sermon, as a, an amateur. There's no like, oh, the pastor, like he's got it. He's going to have it all figured out and break it down for us. Usually in the days where I've fasted, you know what I think about all day? Food. Not a lot about Jesus or other people. But he says, when you fast... Don't look gloomy like the who? The hypocrites. The people who want you to think they're one thing, but inside they're really something else. Don't do that. When you fast, nobody should know. Like when you fast, you should look your best. You should look really maybe exceptionally nice that day, and somebody's like, oh, great to see you. You must have got a haircut. You look nice, right? And not know that inside... Maybe you're not feeling your best. I tried this in the first service, and it fell really flat. But here's, here's a caution. When I was doing this sermon uh, preparation, I went by Joel's office. I knocked on the door. I was like, Joel, are you fasting? You don't, you don't. It's like implying that Joel didn't look that great that day. I'm sorry. So, anyways, I was just joking with him. But, like, don't ask someone if they're fasting any more than you would ask someone, are you tired today? Not a good question. But the idea is that they wanted to look kind of like outwardly suffering and struggling so that maybe with somebody would say, oh, you don't look that good. And you could be like, oh, I'm fasting. Drawing near to the Lord today. Oh, I just went to the buffet. I'm terrible. <laughs> I don't do it for those reasons. But when you fast, you ought to look your best. And nobody should ever know that you're fasting. Nobody should ever know. Now, why would you do it? Why would you fast? I've just been thinking about it this week and wrestling with it. And, and again, as, a, as an amateur who's dabbled, here's things that I thought about, things that other people brought up as I read and tried to figure out. One, fasting kind of just like reminds you that you're human and that one day you will die. One of the things that like eating all the time does for you is it kind of numbs you sometimes to feelings of frustration or feelings of anger or feelings of anxiety. Um, maybe you're just like, I don't feel great today. I'm going to go get a donut. Right? It has kind of this coping thing sometimes that food brings with it and can numb us to the things that are really happening or even numb us to the reality that one day we're going to pass from this life. That we are fragile, finite creatures. 
And things won't always be as maybe as good as they are today. That one day we'll pass away. And it's good for us to be reminded of that. That we're human. That we're creaturely. That we're dependent upon the Lord. Another thing that might be helpful for us if we choose to fast in seasons is that it can remind us that there are people in the world who do not choose to be hungry but are. It might be good for us every now and then um, to feel hungry and just to be reminded that there are people in the world who wouldn't choose to fast to be hungry, but they just are all the time because they don't have what they need to meet their daily needs. Just this past week, just yesterday, in fact, I went to the mailbox and I opened the mail. And guess what I got out of the mailbox? This letter from Compassion International talking about like a world food crisis. And honestly, to you, I mean, to me, like most day, a world food crisis, like what are you talking about? Like, I got so much food in my pantry, like stuff goes bad before I can get to it. Right? It's good for me to be reminded that there are people in the world <laughs> for whom hunger is not like an optional great spiritual thing to try out, but it's just a daily part of life. And all around us, it's that way. We support Faith Church. It's in Midfield. And they have a food bank for people who can't get access to food. We have this program called Backpack Buddies where we send food home with kids for the weekend. Why? Because they may not have enough food over the weekend to not be hungry. So some ways for you and I, it's just a good, helpful practice for us to remember that there are people in the world like that and it might be that if you choose to fast one day from a meal it might be that while you're hungry you're like lord i pray for the people who don't have today um maybe even i use that money and just give it to somebody who needs a meal right that it that it reminds us and it wakes us up to the fact that we live in that world because we can just get so caught up did you know there are people in birmingham that like can't walk to the pig I get a call sometime when I used to handle benevolent stuff at the church. And like someone would call and be like, I need food. Sweet, what grocery store is near your house? Um, actually, there's not one. Like we don't think about that. So fasting might be just helpful for us to feel hungry and to remember that there are people who just need stuff like that. Another part of fasting that might be helpful um, is to step out in faith and trust that Lord's going to provide for you in ways that are more um, gratifying than just what food can provide. That it might be that if we go for a day without food or a meal, whatever, or a snack, <laughs> wherever you are, but you might find that, that the Lord sustains in some supernatural way for you that it's not this miserable thing like you think it's going to be, but maybe there's this joy and the Lord provides something for you in that. And then maybe lastly, that fasting, I think, reminds us that life is more than food and clothing. Later on, we're going to get to this passage in Matthew 6 where Jesus taught us not to be anxious about things. He says, don't you know that your life is more than food? Your life is more than clothing? 
But there are deeper needs and realities that you and I struggle with. So I'm hopeful and I'm prayerful that as we seek to live into this, that that perhaps um, if the Lord puts it on your heart um, to fast for some amount of time or for some reason in your life, that that all these things start happening. Um, That you remember that your life is more than food and clothing, that you do remember that there's a spiritual part of who you are, just like there's a physical part of who you are. That one day you're going to pass from this earth and all the things that are tangible and physical won't be of any help or value to anymore, that you're spiritual. Maybe the Lord will awaken in our hearts a greater desire and burden for those who, who just are hungry all the time and that we would provide for them. Maybe this really great, wonderful thing would happen that as we're freed up, Lord, use those resources, things that we free up, our hearts to be united more with his heart, that his kingdom would come and pass more fully on this earth. One word of caution. Those, some of you should not fast. Okay? Some of you have medical issues that would preclude you from doing that. So don't leave today and be like, I'm going to go do this. <laughs> may not be a good idea for you. I don't think it's Jesus' will for you to get sick this week trying that if you physically can't do it, okay? So that's a, that's a disclaimer there. But if you can, as the Lord leads you on your heart, perhaps just try it and see how the Lord's at work in your life in a season like that. Um, you might find that you're more like bear than you'd like to be. That there's this desire and craving for more, and it might be good for you and good for God's kingdom if you embrace this new discipline, perhaps, if it's new for you. I invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for calling us to um, a life of, of discipline in some respects. We thank you that, that you know us inside and out, and we thank you that we don't always have to be performing for others and our giving and our praying and even as you call us to perhaps fast for different seasons of life we pray that that your affirmation that your approval that we have through faith in Christ would free us from an incessant continual need for the approval of others Lord, we pray that we would care so much more about what you think than what other people think. We pray that nothing would become a law for us. But that everything that we do to pursue you would be a response to your love for us and would be good news and life-giving for us and life-giving for others in this world. Thank you for giving us your word. We offer this prayer in Christ's name.